You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you as we continue our series on treasure, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Last week, we talked about storing up treasure in heaven. Uh, Jesus didn't say don't store up treasure at all, because Jesus knows us well. Jesus knows that we like treasure. Christ invites us to invest in the kind of treasure that neither moth nor dust can destroy. Investing in love of God and love of neighbor, creating an environment through which our gifts can be directed toward God. So that our love of God and our love for one another is our common heartbeat and the cornerstone, the foundation on which we stand. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's not just a moralism. It's not just a good thought. It's truth. It's true. We talked about that, how, how deeply intertwined our treasure and our heart is. Last night, I had the good fortune uh, to officiate the marriage between uh, Sam Soley and Mary Taylor Quinlan. Uh, it's one thing, I, I, this is one of the parts of the job that, that I love, the vocation of being a pastor uh, that I love. Because uh, I get to see two people who really, really dig each other <laughs> in that moment. Um, and one thing I do uh, with couples, I'm, I'm kind of uh, bringing the curtain back a little bit. One of the things I like to do with young couples is I, I, I give them wedding homework and I ask them three questions. And they're supposed to send me back uh, the answers and not show each other uh, what, what the answers are. And it's, it should be easy homework. If it's not easy homework, then we need to meet more before the, before the wedding. The first question is this, why do you love each other? It's a fair question to ask. Why do you love each other? The second question is, what first drew you to one another? What first drew you to each other? And the third is, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And all these questions are absolutely on purpose. Number one, why do you love each other? It's one thing to say, I love you as you're leaving the house, going to work, or say, I love you right before bed. It's a different thing to say, I love you because, in other words, getting specific. I love you because of the way, yada, yada, yada. I love you because you're always there. I love you because of who you are. It's different than saying, I love you. Getting specific takes work and it takes practice. And it's helpful for a young couple to start that early. Why do you love each other? The second question, why, uh, what, what first drew you to each other? It's to get them to recognize that God does in fact play a role in connecting us together. What first drew you to each other? What, what was the circumstance? What was the environment? How did you find each other? And then finally, uh, um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, it's not just a thought exercise. It's to get couples to recognize that marriage is much more than the wedding ceremony. <laughs> where do you see yourself in 10 years? What does that look like? Kids? No kids? House? Are you here? Are you, do you think you have moved to another place? I bring this up to your attention, and especially in a, it's not, this is not a marriage uh, uh, sermon. Uh, it is uh, in our treasure 
sermon series. I ask you this because I have rarely, and I say rarely because maybe there have been one, but rarely, if ever, has anyone answered the question like this. What first drew me to her is that I know in 10 years her mutual funds will be much more. Right? That's usually not what you get in that, that feedback. You know, I love him uh, because of the third condo, right? It just doesn't, you know, but these are sometimes the things that we focus on and sometimes the things that we invest in. But if we remember, if we remember that maybe the first time that God entered into our life, that, that maybe, maybe it was our wedding, maybe it was that first spark of where, this is what I love about uh, doing weddings is because here are two people and their treasure is looking back at them. And it's a beautiful moment where your treasure and your heart, the line between the two is very thin and ambiguously confused, meaning that treasure and heart are one and the same in that moment. The person looking across from them is the most important person in the universe to them. That's when we know we're in a good place is when the line between our treasure and our heart or where our treasure ends and our heart begins is very hard to discern. Where the line has been ambiguously drawn. It's beautiful. So we continue our lesson on treasure with our scripture lesson today. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 24. It'll be on the screens uh, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the other and despise, or to be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This, um, this teaching of Jesus, you, you cannot have two masters, you cannot serve two masters, gives me, gives me great pause and great anxiety because I, I can't do just one thing. Well, it's difficult for me to do just one thing. One of the reasons I was attracted to being a pastor and answering that calling is because you are a professional generalist. <laughs> you do a hundred different things every day. It's fascinating, it's, it's amazing work. Because on a regular, regular day, we have a Board of Ordained Ministry coming up today, so Tim and I are headed down to Woodworth uh, for Board of Ordained Ministry. Uh, and one of those, one of those gatherings, uh, being on the board, talking to uh, pastors who are just beginning in their process, I invite them to make a, a weekly rhythm. What does your Monday morning look like? What does your Wednesday afternoon look like? What is your Thursday? What is that normative week of yours? And after they complete that, I then say, now throw it away because you will never have a normal week, right? In uh, one day, you can have a prayer uh, in the hospital with someone. And then you come to the office to check the financials. And then you plan Christmas. And then you go to the prayer garden because there's much too, wa too much water in the prayer garden and the water shouldn't be there. Um, you, it's this wild and amazing, it's hard to do just one thing. So Jesus is telling us, you cannot have two masters. You cannot have two masters. This is a prophetic word. It's a prophetic word that should make us a little bit uneasy. You cannot serve God and money. It's prophetic in the sense that, God, uh, that Jesus says, you cannot have two masters. Oh, and by the way, one of them needs to be God. <laughs> at least if I looked at my weekly rhythm and all of the masters that I serve, meaning water in the prayer garden, the financials, having a prayer, 
family time, this kind of thing, um, I might shudder at the times in which I have more than one master and one of them isn't God that I'm serving. Whether it's my schedule. Whether, in other words, if I were to do that weekly check-in list, I, I, might, I might shudder at recognizing that the two masters that I most serve is my own comfort, maybe my own pride. You cannot serve two masters, and by the way, one of them has to be God. It's a reminder. Remember last week we talked about having a heart check and, and, and having, needing that reminder to check our hearts? This is Jesus doing the same thing. You cannot have two masters. Oh, by the way, one of them must be God. And is it always true in our daily walk? This, this, it's, it's prophetic. Uh, it, should, it should hit us in the gut a little bit. It's also quite graceful because Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. He could have said three, four, twelve. <laughs> Jesus knows us well enough to cut the list short <laughs> at two. Because also looking at uh, you cannot serve, Jesus could have said you cannot serve God and wealth and time and responsibility and your own fear and your own anxiety. But there's grace in this prophetic word because Jesus only asks us to work on two. <laughs> God and wealth. Now, it's not, that, that, it's not that Jesus is creating a list per se. Jesus is presenting the only dichotomy that actually exists. Sometimes we look at the world in, as a dualistic world, in, in dualisms, right? Light and dark, up and down, left and right, this kind of thing. Uh, it seems to be ingrained in us, but that is not a Christian way of looking at the world. Uh, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, God created light and separated darkness out of it. God did not create light and dark, according to the Genesis account. Uh, yin and yang, that, that is Shintoism. It is not Christianity. God created light and separated darkness out of it. God is our creator. The only... The only true dichotomy that actually exists is the dichotomy between creator and creation. In fact, in the Hebrew scriptures, when it says to create, it's a word bara, bara, to create, it's a word only attributed to God. <clears throat> God only creates. That word bara, create, is never attributed to humanity. Only God can create. Now, humanity does Shape or make, which is the word asa, humanity can form, which is yatsar, but a carpenter will always have need of trees, and a blacksmith always needs fire and ore. I'm fascinated at, 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 at the way humanity shapes and forms. I mean, one, I just look at Robert. Uh, Robert, as you saw in the children's moment, Robert's kind of like our golden retriever right now. Uh, he's very joyful. He runs around, you know, plays fetch, sometimes pees in the living room. Like, he's, he's, he's kind of our, he's like a golden retriever. Um, but I love seeing him. We get a notebook of his at the end of every week, and it, it shows, like, his handprint, and he circles the number one, and he colors the letter A, and slowly over time, he is shaping and forming the world through the things that he's learning. And that is fascinating. I'm fascinated with 
human ingenuity and innovation and inspiration and the way that we share art and the way that we build community. But understand that what is above all of that is bara, is God as creator, the one who will never need raw material. (laughs) Sometimes we look at the world in these dualisms It's not that Jesus is saying you cannot serve two masters, one is good and one is bad. That's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, Sometimes we look at the world uh, in in these stark dualistic terms where it's the church versus the world or church versus culture. And we've talked about this before. Uh, You cannot separate, for example, church and culture because our churches have a culture. Our families have a culture. Food. Culture is simply what we make of the world. God offers the raw ingredients, the bara, God, the creator, offers offers the raw ingredients, and what we cook up is culture. It's not a bad thing. Um, And I was leading um, the Equip conference in Little Rock uh, yesterday morning, and we were talking about this because they were, um, it's it's for uh, youth directors in the Arkansas conference. And we could spend hours just talking about youth group shenanigans uh, when a bunch of youth directors uh, are in. You know, it's kind of like some, some, some guys will get together and like show scars, like youth directors get together and, and do kind of the same thing, but emotionally, of <laughs> the things that have happened while they've been a youth director. Uh, we were talking about how, especially when you're working uh, uh, with youth, you have to be a master of this culture game. Uh, for example, um, Sometimes we get confused on what the difference between sacred and secular is. We talk about that. We throw those terms around, but do we really understand what's going on there? Uh, And I like to play with music to explain this. Uh, For example, is this sacred or secular? Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Sacred or secular? Sacred, right? Yes, sacred, right? We use it in a church. Right. Um, What about... um, we are the champions, my friends. Sacred or secular? <laughs> yeah, secular. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, maybe, possibly, could be. I mean, we're, we won't be doing Queen anytime soon in the worship set, but you know, we'll keep on fighting. To the, I've run the race with perseverance. Like, there may be something. Well, what about, um, for example, uh, Canon's? Uh, uh, Pachelbel's Canon in D. Is that sacred or secular? Or like the other day, um, by the way, I didn't mention this at 8.30, and I should have. Uh, we, we have a new organ, by the way. This is a new organ. Uh, it was installed Friday, uh, and, the fir- and it was Friday the 13th, and it was a full moon. So the first song we played on it was... It's on Facebook. It's great. Uh, Takata in D minor. Is that sacred or secular? Here's the punchline. The, the, the line between sacred and secular is function. How are we using it? What is the context? Now, not everything can be treated as secular. I mean, Cardi B doesn't translate naturally into worship anthems. You know, you got to, I mean, you got to do some backflips to get that going. But here's the metaphor, the bread that we have on the table, it is bread. It is bread until it is blessed and broken and shared. It is bread until it is blessed and broken and shared. The line between the sacred and the secular is function. So Jesus isn't saying you cannot serve two masters because one of them is good and one of them is bad. 
What he's saying is that one of them is eternal and the other one is not. So instead of choosing between the two, one must always serve the other. It is true, we cannot serve both God and money, but we can serve God through money, through our wealth. We can serve God through innovation. We can serve God through creativity. We can serve God through the way that we innovate. But when we get this backwards, because we've done it before, people, we have done it before, uh, not here locally, generally speaking, we, the royal, we, we have done this before in getting this backwards. We are called to serve God through money. When we get that backwards, we serve money through God. And that is a detestable theology. You've heard it. Maybe it was late at night, switching channels, and hear some guy say, if you sow a $1,000 seed, you'll receive 10000 in return. That's uh, apostasy. That's serving money through God. You're sowing that $1,000 seed not because of the joy of working with God, not to honor God, but to get a cash return. It's a God-themed investment plan, which is not the gospel. You cannot serve two masters. Creation is designed to serve creator. You cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus is setting up creator because sometimes the things that we fashion, albeit good, uh, the things we make and form and shape can be good. But once these things start to dictate who we are, how we should invest our time, our value, we've got it backwards. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve both God and serve creation. Creation is intended to give praise to God. That is the trajectory. Storing up treasure in heaven and serving God alone go hand in hand because both of these teachings point us to our indivisible creator, the one who never needs raw material. It's an amazing grace that God offers us the opportunity to make and shape and form the world that is around us. But when these creations take over, we miss the mark. Our heart can be divided when that happens in a deep level, which again, which is why I love officiating a wedding. Because treasures are looking at each other. Their heart is united. The person looking back at them is the most important person in the world. The line between heart and treasure is ambiguously drawn. We're not quite sure where treasure ends and heart begins. The treasure standing right in front of them. God's spirit is present. And everyone there has gathered to celebrate God's greatest gift of love and God's greatest treasure. A treasure that believes all things and bears all things and hopes all things and never, ever ends. May we serve that master. May we serve that master with everything we have. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, you who has given us amazing gifts, you who invites us to shape 
and form and mold your creation. Help us always to be mindful that you are the creator. One, never in need of raw material. You who gives us everything that we need. May our hearts be united. May we give thanks for the things that we have shaped and formed, but may we also offer them to you. So pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Help us to be your children. Help us to treasure you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we invite our ushers to come forward for the giving of our tithes and our gifts and our offerings. And you'll notice that many of our ushers are wearing a red t-shirt from Arizona.